this is Hannah Overby, and we want to welcome you to the Raise Your Standards podcast, where we think it's our 17th episode. Unsure. It is. It probably is. Autumn knows all of this stuff. (laughs) Um, But today we have a really special episode for you guys because we finally have a guest. Woo! Um, So, Autumn, do you want to introduce our wonderful, beautiful, amazing guest? Yes. So, we have Myra on the podcast, and Myra is extra special because she actually got me connected at Vive. So she's the reason I got connected to a midweek and met friends and enjoyed California as much as I did. So very excited. Um, But even cooler than that, she has an amazing job she's going to jump into and tell us about, but she works at Impossible Foods and just want to hear more about what she does. So Myra, if you want to give a quick intro about yourself and tell the lovely people what you do. <laughs> thanks Adam thanks Hannah for having me this is so fun um, I am senior graphic designer at Impossible Foods um that's my my job but as a person I um am a friend um who definitely goes to Vibe Church with y'all um led midweek um in Palo Alto got y'all connected and um I've had a lot of fun over the years like how wait how long have you been in California now Autumn or when did you move? How long ago? I don't, you're not in California anymore, but. <laughs> yeah, I was in California starting in last September. And then with COVID, that didn't last very long, but hoping to move back by the end of the year. So what a wild ride. Yeah. yeah. You more like studied abroad ride. in California, which is kind Basically. of funny. Um, I love that. So glad I got to be a part of it. Um, yes. That's been great. Um, I've been in California since October of 2017. Uh, and that was when I moved out here for the job at Impossible. Um, so uh, I'm a senior graphic designer, but um, I got kind of lucky as a kid and kind of always knew what I wanted to do. I knew what field I wanted to go in, at least. Um, I definitely wanted to go into advertising. I was a major nerd and in eighth grade. I read Malcolm Gladwell's Blink, um, which is all about like influencing people's like split second decisions and he tells the story about how America got all these different kinds of spaghetti sauces, and it's really more about marketing, but uh, I was always creative, always doodling in my notebooks, always, always. Um, and So, oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say that those two combined, and finally in college, I put two and two together and um, found advertising. Cool. So this is a question because I am perpetually confused about what people actually do for their job. So what does senior graphic designer, what does that mean? What do you actually do? What is sort of your day to day? Um, And then also like a higher level overview of like where the position fits into Impossible Foods. Yeah. So uh, just a little background that um, Impossible has this in-house creative team. So a lot of places will use an advertising agency um, to do a lot of their creative work, but um, Impossible wanted us in-house, um, which is a really cool opportunity because it's a very different brand. It's a very disruptive product, and it takes a little bit of time to wrap your head around and kind of figure out how they want to talk about it. So as senior graphic designer, uh, I started out as junior designer. Um, I came in, and it was just get all the assets made, whether that was print that was going to, you know, restaurant operators or, you know, social media posts or paid ads on online, all of these kinds of things. Um, I was able to be, you know, on separate photo shoots. Um, it really was such a great opportunity because 
the team was so small when I joined that I was able to touch so many parts of the process and um, really like help evolve the brand over time, uh, which was just incredible opportunity. Um, so it's kind of kind of grown alongside each other. Impossible's definitely like helped turn me into the designer that I am uh, today. And uh, it's been really cool to, to kind of have some influence over the brand book. Um, and the really cool part, honestly, is that I don't really have to explain what Impossible Foods is anymore. Like, I feel like if we were recording this, like even a year ago, I would have to be like, it's a plant-based burger. It's got heme. It tastes just like ground beef. You can replace it for anything. But I feel like now that there's the Impossible Whopper and it's in grocery stores all over America, like people pretty much get what the product is now. So that's that's been probably the most satisfying. Definitely. No, that's. I was gonna say that's so cool. I have I have like a little Impossible Burger story. Um, just because like you were saying, like a year ago you would have really had to explain it, and a year ago I didn't know what it was. Um, versus Agreed. now I literally can go and I went the other day and picked up, you know, the impossible ground beef, I think at Trader Joe's and made some of it, um, just myself knowing what it was, which is just like really insanely cool that that's even an option now. Um, also what's really weird about it too, for all of our listeners is I don't know if this is actually safe, but because it's plant-based, you can like eat it when it's raw. So it looks like you're eating raw ground beef. Um, but it's just like plants, which really was super trippy, um, at least to me. Sorry, Autumn, to your question, you have more serious stuff. Uh, I just wanted to say I do love no, Impossible I was, Burger. I, like, buy it now. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say the same thing as you. Because uh, I think when I first met Myra and she told me about Impossible Foods, I was like, oh, that sounds really cool. And now it's just blown up, I would say. And most people, I think, at least have a rough idea of what Impossible Foods is. And I personally really love Impossible Burgers and had no idea what they were a year ago. But, yeah. Um, Myra, so before your job at Impossible Foods, or if you even want to briefly touch on getting to Impossible Foods, what did your college experience look like? Um, and then just tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so uh, I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri, and didn't want to go very far away. Yes, Midwest. This is how we also bonded over our, our Midwestern Midwest. upbringings. <laughs> um, but we all left for a reason. <laughs> um, so um, I went to school there. I knew that if I had money and stayed close to my family, we're like very tight knit, et cetera, like that would just be the best option for me that I had no desire to live at school. I needed separation between like school and home. And that was how I managed. Um, I went in and um, majored in, it was a long major. What was it? Um, marketing communications and advertising, which like sounds like two or three majors, but that was one major. And so then a year into that, I realized like, hmm, I'm not getting as much like design education as I think I should be. So then I went over to the art department and was like, hey, like what can I take here? And they basically gave me two options. I could either do like a BFA, which is like very intensive, or I could do a BA. Um, so the Bachelor of Fine Arts means that you like write a whole big paper and you have like a very deep concentration there's a whole lot more studio classes and hours that you have to put in and the bachelor of arts is more general so i would just have to take like a couple of classes throughout the department um you know try my hand at every medium whether that was ceramic sculpture you know drawing painting printmaking all of that stuff so it was kind of just like a primer um so that's what i did i did the bachelor of arts and i ended up double majoring and graduating in four years by the grace of god <laughs> um was able to squeeze in a study abroad there 
and um, was just obsessed with with advertising. I really wanted to be in a big agency. I really worked hard on building a portfolio um, that would impress people at agencies to the point where when I was studying abroad, I took an overnight train from Vienna, Austria to Hamburg, Germany to have like this one random guy that my professor knew in Germany, like look at my portfolio and tell me that like it wasn't good enough. which was great um like I was literally I was looking for feedback everywhere I was talking to every professional I could I could I could find basically um to try and find my way into this industry because my parents my parents don't work in this industry it's not like I had connections I had to figure that out for myself um so by the time I like networked all over St. Louis I kind of felt like I already knew everyone which was kind of a bad feeling I felt like this was kind of a small pond um so I was like, well, let's, let's try somewhere else. So I was uh, applying in Chicago and um, the best part was um, I got connected to a mentor in New York. I asked a professor of mine if she had any former students that were in New York that I could talk to and she connected us. And um, this mentor was amazing and basically like gave me this internship in New York that I did um, at a small agency that was working on the impossible account. And so for that whole summer, I was working on an activation. I was working on social. We did some wild postings. Um, and I like joked to the other interns because we were like working on Impossible so much. It was like, LOL, what if I left the agency and like went to work for Impossible? And now here I am like three years later, um, full-time senior designer in Impossible Foods. So um, be careful what you joke about because God might mistake it for a prayer and you might get it. Um, but it really is amazing. Like things did not work out in New York. I applied at so many studios and agencies and I like really thought that impossible working there would just, you know, be a joke. Um, but after all of the work that I worked on that summer, like went live, their, their creative director wanted to interview me and, um, and the rest is history. I moved to Palo Alto, lived in a ladies dining room for like eight months. And um, that was, that was less fun than it sounds. And uh, now I have my own place here in the Bay, and I love it. With your husband. That is a like a... Yes. Yeah, it's true. With Hestroon, we love your husband. He's amazing. Um, but that reminded me of a... I don't know if it's a quote, but it's just something I've been saying for the past, like, five, six years is you become what you make fun <laughs> of. So, like, definitely, at least for you, it worked out where you got, like, a full-time job out of it. Um I don't know. Whenever I've made fun of things, it hasn't worked out for me. I've become like a more pretentious person. Um, like I used to make fun of coffee snobs and now I'm like, I will only drink French press coffee this morning and not make it like a drip coffee. So, but, so oh I have a quick question. So to clarify, you were an intern in New York. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And uh, an agency. In, yes. It was a, it was an agency that was like part of this larger group they had studios where you could rent equipment and rent space they had a casting agency they did voiceover they did photo retouching for like all these fashion things but each little part of the company was completely separate um but um but it was a really cool environment to be in um my only like cool celeb run-in story happened there where I rode an elevator with Vanessa Hudgens she's very short <laughs> wait what you gotta tell us more about that <laughs> That that is so cool. like, literally the whole story is just so I got in the elevator and I was like I think that's Vanessa Hudgens whoa that's, that's it. super cool I love that okay so transitioning from a different state and leaving family what has been 
I guess, uh, something that you've dealt with or been able to realize since moving away from Missouri? Pros and cons, I guess, is what I'm Yeah, I think it's more that, like, you have to have a lot of intention about the community that you want to build. It's so easy to just kind of go with the flow and just kind of meet your coworkers and hang out. But most of my coworkers lived, like, up in a city in San Francisco and had, like, a two-hour commute down. So we weren't, like, hanging out afterwards. So I would go back to my little peninsula house and watch Netflix and call my mom, and (laughs) that was it. Um... But I, I started getting intentional. I got plugged in at Vive, got into a midweek really quickly, got, um, what was the next thing? Oh, I started going to Pilates and like started like building like a little bit of like a fitness community around myself as well. Um, and, and that really, really helped because I was so close to my family beforehand that like, it was weird to come home and not be like, just telling someone all about your day. Um, so between those two things, those helped like keep me busy uh, in a good way um, with, with healthy, productive things that uh, really helped. So um, with that, I know like, you just said what you did um, with going to church and then building a fitness community. Also for our listeners, Myra is one of the <laughs> strongest people I know, like the Pilates she does is insane. Um, the couple of times I've tried it, I've been shaking like a chihuahua the whole time. Um, so just like insane that you can even do that, um, blows my mind, but what advice would you have for someone who's maybe moving across the country, especially cause you've done that a couple of times with New York or California, um, for them to like build a community and like be kind of okay moving. Yeah. First of all, I haven't done that Pilates in like a year. So you may be speaking to a different Myra, <laughs> um, cause I don't know if I can still do that, but I think when you're moving, you just have to. I don't know. I just have the, the the idea that like nothing's really forever. Like I just view it as like a really long trip and eventually it might start to feel like home, but it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be forever. Um, I thought New York was going to be it and it wasn't. And that was fine. I took advantage of that time. I went to all the museums that I wanted to and um, got involved in two churches because everyone's midweeks kind of like small group things only met every other week and I was like I need more than this so I was like double dipping on churches um, and I think that was what really kept me stable in both the places that I moved was just like having that routine of going to church on Sunday and um, that really kind of anchored me when like everything else around me had changed and that was that was honestly the main thing also pack light like you don't need that much stuff pack light you can can buy anything anywhere yeah that's my dad always says that um whenever you go on a trip I mean given if it's in the U.S. pack light and you can buy things you might have forgotten at Target (laughs) yeah and I mean honestly that goes for Austria too like the only thing that I didn't have over there was like American peanut butter which was fine like yeah they don't have peanut just, butter anywhere they have they do have cookie butter though I got I yeah. really stepped up my like muesli granola game while I was there mm-hmm. that was fun yeah when I was in Ireland people uh would pack a bunch of peanut butter in their suitcase to bring over <laughs> because they didn't have it there <laughs> I would need to do that oh my gosh like yeah, no peanut, peanut butter, butter. Yeah. yeah crazy uh so what rough. other I know we've been kind of jumping around, but what career advice do you have for someone who's looking to go into a similar role or even more generally to just any career advice? It seems what I've picked up, you're very scrappy and 
proactive, which I think is awesome and amazing. But in your own words, what would you say? Thanks, Autumn. Um, scrappy is a word we throw around a lot at Impossible. Sorry, so it's just making me giggle. Um, I would say you really do have to be proactive. Like to, I, I heard this one time at, of course, one of the ad conferences I was trying to go to to network was you can only get your dream job if you know what it is. So if that means you have to like talk to a thousand people to figure out what they do and see if that's something that you would like to do, if that's shadowing people, if that's interning, if that's mentorship, um, you just, you have to put in the time and figure out what that is. Um, because I, I truly believe that you won't get there on accident. Now, you might get there on accident, but it'll take a lot longer. Um, and I want to get there ASAP. Um, so that I think is, is the main thing is just knowing what you want. And then once you know what you want to do, um, when you're putting together like your portfolio or, you know, your job, like your dream job kind of criteria, like only go for that. Like when I was in New York, I was interviewing for like literally any position that would get me into an agency on the ground floor I was doing like presentation designer, like things that I did not really want to do, but would get me into that environment. And I was rejected for all of those, which like rejection is protection. Um, I truly believe because I got to Impossible and um, was finally doing all the work that I really wanted to do. I was able to work on campaigns. I was, I felt like I was doing work that was actually like helping the business and getting our name out there. And um, I just heard so many horror stories of people at agencies, like working for months and months on these big projects. And then the client says, oh, we don't need that anymore. And then all of the work just goes down the drain. So I think just keep the standard high for what kind of work you want to do and uh, only pursue the the job openings that you really, really want. Um, Cause the rest are just not worth your effort. Like casting a wide net, I think is not as productive as like a very targeted approach. I love, I know, I love so many things you just said, that, said there. I think rejection is protection is something that like, I think is true, but is really hard to live by. Um, like, I don't know. And I think too, like what you're saying without like not don't cast a wide net, just focus. Like, how do you recommend people get over kind of the fear of not casting a wide net? Because I know at least when I was looking for jobs, like I literally, I was just like needed a job and I was like, I applied and like, I almost got a job to be like a database manager in urology. And like, I don't want to do like, I do not want to do that. Um, but that's the type of stuff I was applying for just because I was scared I wasn't going to get a job. So what would you recommend for people to like, I mean, I guess you could just tell them to like, stop it. Like, don't do it. But like, I don't know. Is there a better way to like finesse it um, in no, your brain? This is, this is a great time to confront my privilege and the fact that like I was able to like live with my parents and not have to worry about not having a job for like a couple of months in between things. And I was just desperate to start my career just for my own sake. Um, so I think like if you can have a focused approach and do that, um, I'm going to speak a little to my husband's story here. Um, he had a similar experience here where he was out of work for almost all of COVID basically he had quit his like super toxic IT job in February and was applying for all these different IT positions and uh, was really close to getting an offer from one and then shelter in place started and like nothing happened for so so long but he stayed in touch with that um with that recruiter and in the meantime, he was like teaching himself. He was doing a boot camp. He was, you know, doing DoorDash, all these things just to like fill the time and um, kept up that relationship and eventually got an even better position at the same company. And uh, just because he had kept up that relationship. So I think 
I think it's all about building those relationships because once you once someone knows what kind of person you are and the kind of thing that you do like you're always kind of in the back of their mind so if you have other people kind of doing the job search for you it definitely works out in your favor if other people know what you're looking for so get as many mentors as you can I think I have like four or five now um that I like will send emails and texts on a regular basis and um just keep up to date with what they're doing um and yeah, it just always helps to just have a wider network. I think the different Malcolm Gladwell book that I read, I think it was Outliers. Um, he said that there is strength in loose ties. And so I am just all over that now. And the fact that like, I know people in New York now, like if I know someone who wants to go to New York, it can be like, hey, you should talk to this person. They're in New York and they work in this like lighting design thing and you guys should talk. Um, so I think I think that is where where it gets a little easier is is building those connections and 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 using those for other people as well. Sorry, that's that was really long winded, but that's that's people no, matter, that which I know that y'all are are into. Y'all love people. I love people. Uh, okay, so here is a question for you based on what you just said. So I've been looking to get a mentor, and I think it kind of just goes with being proactive, talking to people, reaching out, seeing who can connect me, but. Um, what is your advice for finding a mentor since you have four or five of them? <laughs> okay. So, uh, the first one I got was definitely through a professor and that was just like the alumni network, which is crazy. Cause like, I didn't go to a prestigious university. It was a small liberal arts school in St. Louis that like, honestly, probably won't be around in 20 years with all of this COVID stuff because it's just so small. Um, but it was called Webster university and, um, just by chance this guy happened to be super successful and that worked out and um by taking the internship and working with him I ended up at Impossible and um actually wait no I got another mentor through that network as well she's also in New York because I was just like I need to be in New York so I guess I watched too much Mad Men and just decided I needed to be in New York um because Don Draper but um that wasn't the case so I do have two uh two mentors in New York that are great people um one has the job you know that I want one day the other one is kind of adjacent which is also really cool because like your mentor doesn't have to do exactly the same thing you do but as long as they're familiar with like the environment that you want to work in and that agency like structure and they work with people like you then they know so many other people than if you just knew one other like creative so um for example, sorry, I'm kind of talking around it, is um, my second mentor was a producer. And so she works with so many creatives at all the different agencies that she's ever been at. And her perspective was so unique because it was something that I wouldn't have gotten from just another creative, but it was completely integral, you know, to the experience that I was trying to pursue. So um, I would say cast a little wider net with mentors, maybe, because it can be helpful. You can get greater insight. You never know who's worked where, um, because um, that's how you get those, those loose ties that, that end up in possible careers. And a story, um, that kind of to go off of that, which what you were saying, which is really cool is like, I'm convinced the only reason I got into grad school is because one of those, these professors that I happen to know and happens to like, like he wrote my letters of recommendation. He knows every single person in the industry that I want to work with. So then like it helped me, um, help like get into grad schools. 
Um, so with that being said, there are a couple things. So first off, we only have five minutes. And then the second thing is my Mac just said it's at low battery and I don't have an outlet. So I would say we should probably wrap things up pretty quickly just to avoid um, me cutting off the whole episode and like ruining everything. Um, do you have any closing thoughts, Autumn, Myra? 10% battery on my Mac, so let's power through. <laughs> if you know your Enneagram type, what is your Enneagram type, Myra? Four wing three. Um, my Myers-Briggs is INFP. I'm also a Cancer, Sag, Virgo, whatever personality definition you want to do. I have probably done it. There's something called a color wheel, which I haven't explored yet, oh but gosh, we should oh, do yeah. that. We'll figure that one out. I think that's more of like a corporate thing, but yes, um, I know myself deeply. I love that. I love that. I think that's also a, a good closing thought is to know yourself before you actually. I'm just saying my, it went from 10% to 4%. So we're like. <laughs> well, okay. Okay. We'll wrap it up. Thanks, thanks Myra. So um, and thank you all for. Yeah. No, seriously. Thank you for um, being and- on. Of course. Um, and then also thank you all for listening. If yeah. you want to follow Myra, do you have any handles that you want to throw out or you good? At Myra Pervez. At Myra Pervez. Um, and then if you want to I follow know. us, I am at Hannah underscore overview. Autumn is at Autumn Odine. And then we are at Raise Your Standards on Instagram. Please give us a follow. And thank you all for listening. Um, we love you guys. And sorry about the whole battery issue. Otherwise, we've talked about it for way longer. Um, but yeah.